there's a space for everyone to be successful. That book always brings it home and gives me the, the side to be positive, clear, simple, humble. I really enjoyed it and I always go back to its principles. Welcome to Meet the Leader, a podcast where top leaders share how they're tackling the world's toughest challenges. In today's special compilation episode, we share the books that shaped some of the world's top climate leaders, what touched them, inspired them, changed their minds, and the books they want you to read too. Subscribe to Meet the Leader on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And please take a moment to rate and review us. I'm Linda Lacina from the World Economic Forum, and this is Meet the Leader. At the end of the day, we protect what we love, and that is a love letter to communities on the earth. Meet the Leader, I have the privilege of talking to a range of leaders about tackling the biggest challenges of our time. It will be no surprise to you that many of these leaders are seeking solutions for the climate, how we can protect the planet, and how we can live and do business in a more sustainable way. This week's episode is a sampling of some of the climate minds that I've been lucky enough to talk to, from chief sustainability officers to those driving nonprofits or key government initiatives. They hail from manufacturing and infrastructure, and some, like the personalities that will kick off this program, former U.S. Vice President Al Gore or activist Jane Goodall, are bold-faced names. Each leader's recommendation is something that made them pause or made them think, and I hope that they're books that you'll find valuable too. Before we dig in, if you're looking for other book recommendations, you should explore my colleague Beatrice DeCaro's podcast, The Book Club Podcast, for a range of thought leaders, novelists, thinkers, all who will keep you intrigued and interested. But before you check those out, let's get started with Mr. Gore. He's dedicated his life to public service, and as the founder of the Climate Reality Project, he has used his leadership experience to train tens of thousands in the skills and know-how that climate leaders need now. He has spent four decades driving progress for the climate, and his book pick presents a plan for cutting emissions by 2050. Here's the former U.S. Vice President. My good friend uh, John Doerr recently published a brand new book which takes the goal-setting system known as OKRs, which stands for Objectives and Key Results, and applies it to the climate crisis. The book is called Speed and Scale, an action plan for solving our climate crisis now. And I highly recommend it for anyone, particularly those in the private sector, maybe especially those who are familiar with OKRs, who have set ambitious climate goals for their organization and now need to determine how to implement those goals and do so quickly and effectively. And there, there's no leader better positioned to guide businesses uh, in this transition than my friend John Dory. He was a legendary technology uh, investor and expert with this tried and true management method ever since he was a young guy at Intel where he learned it. And this book lays out a clear path uh, to success for decarbonizing our economy, speed and scale. Last fall, I had the honor of talking to world-famous primatologist Jane Goodall, remote from her home in England. Her latest book, a memoir, The Book of Hope, A Survival Guide for Trying Times, had just come out. It's a unique book and one that shares her unique take on staying optimistic. Here's Jane. It was a lot, a lot, a lot of work and heart soul searching. There's the major four reasons for hope. There's one section on each of those. 
And I think they're all important. And then the final one is my journey. And the question that I was asked, like, what's your next great adventure? It was before COVID. I had about five, ten thousand people in the audience. And I thought about this question, what's my next adventure? If I'd been asked 20 years ago, I would have said, oh, I want to go into some wild forest that nobody's explored in Papua New Guinea or something like that. But that's not for me now. I'm 87. And so I said, dying. And there was a kind of gasp and titter around the room. And I said, well, when you die, you know, there's either nothing, in which case, well, problem's over, or there's something. And I happen to believe there's something from things that have happened to me, which ex are explained in this book for people who are interested. And if there is something beyond our physical death, then what adventure can be more exciting than finding out? Esgi Barsenis is the Chief Sustainability Officer for the global beverage giant AB InBev. She talked to me this spring about how leaders can navigate change for sustainability. And her book focuses on a trait that can help anyone do just that. I am uh, currently reading this book called Humankind, A Hopeful History by Rutger Bregman. I really think it's a really interesting book because it argues that humans are wired to be kind. And, and I'd like to think that, you know, I've got two little kids, a three and a seven-year-old, and I'd like to believe that, you know, the natural state of, of humanity is not, is not selfishness. I think, you know, it may seem a radical idea, but I think it's, it's quite refreshing to be thinking of human kind as kind. Yeah, I think there is a lot of power in positive thinking, especially again in the, in the state of the world that we live in today. So I encourage everyone to read and I find it very refreshing so far. Christian Telecki is the executive director at the Friends of Ocean Action here at the World Economic Forum. His pick helps people connect more to helping the ocean. Something that I, I've, I've read in the last few years is a, is a book by uh, a fellow by the name of Bren Smith. It's called Eat Like a Fish. And it's an interesting journey of someone who was a diehard fisherman, but he was seeing you know, real changes in front of his own eyes of catching smaller fish, less fish, changes in the ecosystem, climate change impacting before his eyes. And he, and he started to think, well, are there ways I could change my behavior and allowing me still to fish, allowing me still to make some money, but it's regenerative to the ocean. So I can still take fish out, but I rethink the way I'm doing it. And so that my activities are actually regenerating the ecosystem that I have an influence on. And so he's, he's fishing one particular type of the year. He's fishing kelp, harvesting kelp from the water. He's harvesting shells that, you know, oysters, mussels, not relying on a single target, one species, but at different types of the year, you know, making sure that, that he's taking different types out. And when you think about this, you're able to scale it. We at the moment globally are eating about 2,500 species coming from the ocean. Not everybody's doing that, of course, but it's enormous potential there. From land, we're probably deriving our protein from four sources. Yeah. You know, huge carbon intensive sources, water that's involved. You know, things from the sea are there. So the good news is, if you look at this book and the messages that are coming out of this Eat Like a Fish book, with very little effort and energy, we could transform the food that's coming from the ocean, blue food, and that we could probably get about six times more food from the ocean than we do today sustainably, feeding a lot of people 
going forward. So read that book and perhaps rethink about how we uh, farm from the ocean. Christina Gamboa is the CEO of the World Green Building Council, a network of councils in more than 70 countries decarbonizing the built environment and working to make quality, sustainable space available to anyone. I spoke with her at the annual meeting in Davos last May, and she shared a book that helps her connect with what's most important. Here's Christina. I'm a committed yoga practitioner linked with a tradition in India. And one practical book that is a, that I love is Letting Go by David Hawkins. And it's about those practical tools that have helped me to be the best leader I can be, but without losing that connection, that deep connection to that happy place, to that loving place to that, let's say, non-competitive place, because in sustainability, uh, there, there needs to be, I believe, how, how this will truly progress is through open solidarity, knowledge sharing. And uh, there's a space for everyone to be successful. There's so many things and great things to be done. And so that book, that book always brings it home and gives me the side to be let's say, a positive, clear, simple, humble, acknowledging everyone has a role, and I really enjoyed it, and I always go back to its principles. Two leaders this year recommended braiding sweetgrass. Both Jane Gilbert, the chief heat officer at Florida's Miami-Dade County, and Kehea Pacheco, the co-executive director of the Women's Earth Alliance. Braiding Sweetgrass is a non-fiction book about the role of indigenous knowledge as an alternative or complement to Western methodologies. Here are both women on why it's worth your read. We'll start with Kehea. Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer is my all-time favorite book. I think it is a tool and an expression of healing the relationship between people and the earth. And at the end of the day, we protect what we love. And that is a love letter to communities on the earth. Jane Gilbert also weighed in on why this book was so special to her and what anyone could take from it. Here's Jane Gilbert. I just adored that book for its reminding us how we are a part of nature and we need to think of ourselves as a part of nature when we're designing anything. It's not going to it's not going to explain how to design a new stormwater and road system. It's, it's definitely not. But it, it might help bring enough sensitivity about the importance of being one with nature and um, that it, it makes us come up with solutions that are truly sustainable. And that's what climate readers would like you to read. Thanks so much to all the leaders who took time to talk to me this past year. And thanks so much to you for listening. A transcript of this episode and my colleagues' episodes, Radio Davos and the Book Club Podcast, is available at wef.ch podcasts. This episode of Meet the Leader was presented and produced by me with Juan Turan as studio engineer for excerpts recorded at the annual meeting in Davos and Gareth Nolan driving studio production. That's it for now. I'm Linda Lucina with the World Economic Forum. Have a great day.